Welcome to Cup of Cubby Blue. Your baseball is being played in a pandemic home for Cubs news updates and banner. We're the official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. We're covering your first place Chicago Cubs as they are in the home stretch. I know it seems like the season started like two seconds ago, but we're more than halfway through with this crazy baseball season. My name is Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hey guys, Andy Cruz, Vanisek, and that's right, we're in the last month of baseball and we have a first place Cubs team. I am super excited about this. We're going into a great weekend of baseball. I'm ready to keep this thing rolling. Yeah, I here's hoping they can keep it rolling. I am a little nervous with the Cardinals coming to Wrigley Field for five games in four days. Uh, we're going to celebrate the long weekend with a long weekend full of Cubs-Cardinals baseball, but I sort of feel like the Cubs have something to prove against the Cardinals in September at Wrigley. A hundred percent. I could not agree with that more. I mean, I feel like this has been like the series, the deciding series of their season. And last year, I, I last season, I want to say that this was kind of the, the last nail in the coffin, so to speak, for the Cubs. So yeah, I mean, I feel like they definitely need to come out and, and prove that they are a first place team and an actual playoff contender. And no better way to do it than to win a huge series against the St. Louis Cardinals. We will tell you everything you need to know about the Cardinals in just a bit. Before we do that, we want to talk about the series that the Cubs just finished up in Pittsburgh. They took two out of three from the Pirates. And look, you, you really wanted them to sweep that series. I mean, I wanted them to sweep that series. But two out of three, when you have a three and a half game lead in the division, will get you there. It will get you to the playoffs. It will keep you in first place. I, I It's hard to be upset at the Cubs series against the Pirates. I don't know, Andy, what were you thinking? Yeah, I mean, you definitely wanted to see, like, for example, our game on Tuesday where it started off to be kind of a lopsided win. Like, we were going to bust out and have a huge offensive game, and it ended up going into extras and us winning by one run. So, yeah, you wanted to see a little bit more dominant baseball by the better team. But, you know, a win is a win. And when it boils down to it, we're not going to go back and look at that as, oh, that was the win that, you know, whatever. Um so, yeah, I mean, on paper, like I said at the beginning of this, this series, it was definitely a series you felt like they needed to take two out of three, if not sweep. So, um, yeah, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more, you know, high scoring games, lopsided wins. But, you know, a series win is a series win at this point in the season, this very weird, strange season. You'll take a series win and, you know... I'm I'm a big momentum person. I didn't love how we played yesterday and how, how the way that we lost um, and possible possibly an injured Ian Happ going into the St. Louis Cardinals series. It would have been nice to have a little bit more of an offensive showing going into the series with the Cardinals. But again, you know, I mean, these guys are professionals. They'll figure it out. I really hope that Happ's not injured for a long time. In case you missed it in – uh, Thursday's game, Ian Happ had like took a weird foul ball off his face, basically. So the ball bounced down on home plate and then came back up and hit him right above the eye. It knocked off his hat. It was it was a pretty scary moment. He wound up coming out of the game in the middle of the at bat because in the post game, David Ross said that his blush, his vision was kind of blurry and he couldn't see. Makes perfect sense that you wouldn't want to be you know watching fastballs coming at you um, when you can't see but I'm hoping that was like a one day off type of thing because Ian Happ has been completely on fire 
Uh, I mean, you know, looking at, we just pulled this up and, and to kind of talk about, how, you know, what Cubs are hot right now. It, it's just, it's crazy to me, the top three, because I don't think we would have predicted these and in this order. Like we're looking at offensively and I guess um, we're looking at Ian Happ is, uh, is this by batting average? It is. Um, batting average. Ian Happ is batting 309. I mean, what? Well, that's the last two weeks. So it's it's like hot over okay. the last two weeks. So he's not batting 309 over the season. Um, but yeah, he's definitely. Oh, but damage. still, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last two weeks, again, this season is so strange and you're seeing some very different matchups, um, some different teams, because of course we're playing the AL Central, but the last two weeks, Ian Happ's batting 309, Jason Hayward 314. I mean, what? <laughs> like, this is just awesome. Like, you love to see some of the uh, less obvious guys producing at this point in the season because that just means when everybody else decides to pick up steam, you know, that's just adding to the arsenal. Yeah, and and here's hoping that some of the Cubs who we're used to seeing at the top of this list, looking at you, Wilson Contreras, Javier Baez, and Anthony Rizzo, plus Chris Bryant, who is now off the injured list, um, start contributing in the same way. I think that this is a scary offense when all the bats are working, but the Cubs definitely need Ian Happ to be healthy. He's finally, finally, finally answered the leadoff question for the Cubs in the affirmative that he actually can hit there and will produce there, and it's not going to hurt his power, and he's not going to strike out 40% of the time. And that is a huge sigh of relief. I mean, I am not a huge proponent of, like, you need to have a certain type of guy in the leadoff spot, but I do think you need to know who's going to be the guy to get your offense going each day. And the Cubs have not known that since 2016. Well, and, and just, you know, for example, and I, we've discussed this a couple times yet this season, his at bats are just so um, they set the table for the tone of the offense for each game. And that's so important. We've discussed how important it was when Dexter Fowler was in the leadoff role and his at bats were, you know, he was so good at taking pitches. He was very selective and he would, you know, he'd have eight, nine pitch at bats, which in that leadoff role, it really, you know, a starting pitcher, like a Trevor Bauer, for example, I remember this distinctly because I think after two innings, he had 40 something pitches, which is very much unlike Trevor Bauer. You know, he models his game after a U Darvish. So he wants to be out of two innings in 12 pitches, 14 pitches. So to be in the 40s, that's huge. And you have someone like Ian Happ having a 9 11 pitch at bat. That, that is, that is gi- ginormous when it comes down to, you know, how these guys are taking pitches, how selective they are, and making solid contact. And, you know, whether or not they even get on base, which Hap has done a very good job at, I mean, his OPS is 1.064. Hello. Um, It's just, it's such a huge table setter for the rest of the lineup and to to kind of follow his lead. And I I really have enjoyed watching him kind of mature in in that leadoff spot because he really has gotten very good at making solid contact and, and fouling off pitches when he needs to. Yeah, I could not have said that any better. And and you're right that this Cubs team has really uh, approached their at-bats with seeing a lot of pitches and waiting for the pitch that they want to drive. You can see that in the numbers of pitches per plate appearance, which I did not rerun for this show. But the last time I looked at it, the Cubs were well over 4.2 
pitches per at bat. That may have gone down a tiny bit after the last couple of series. That's an outstanding number. It means that that they are hunting for their pitches. They're taking the pitches that they want. They're getting on base and taking their walks if they have to. And they're really doing damage where they can. So I like the selectivity. I like Ian Happ setting the table at the top of the lineup. And I really hope that that continues going forward. Um, the one other thing that I want to talk about, I mean, the Cubs, we already talked a little bit about the first game against the Pirates. It was a wild one, extra innings. They managed to get it done. That second game, they really looked like the Cubs team that I think we all expected, right? Like just big lead, getting it done, good pitching. I don't know, Andy, what did you see from the Cubs in game two? Uh, so game two was interesting to me because that was the game, I believe I'm pulling it up here, where they had, um, I don't want to say like their second string. Um, I know that wasn't no, game they kind two. Of, yeah, it was, it was a good lineup. <laughs> Um, okay. Yeah. So I just saw happen Contreras at one and two. So yeah, so they kind of had, uh, the second string in, uh, Sousa Jr. Got a start. Um, Mabin got a start, you know, you had Bodie at third and Horner at second. So this was a much different lineup, but a still a very successful lineup. I mean, they did, they did very well. You know, um, Contreras went three for five. That was a very good game for him. And he was hitting, um, if I recall singles, but, I think he had one very hard hit ball that was a double, a standing double. It's still just really good to see him make good contact and not swinging for the fences. I think that's something that Javi Baez needs to kind of have a come to Jesus moment. Now with game three, he did better with that. But um, I feel like there's been a lot of swinging for the fences and like even Schwarber and I keep jumping to game three. Sorry about that. But even Schwarber yesterday was, you know, making hard contact on singles. I think he was like three for five and had two singles. So you know, it, it's, it's really, I, I feel like it's the good, it's a good point in the season for these guys to, to start hitting that way and not be swinging for the fences every time. Um, I am all about Cameron Mabin. I love his energy. Like, I feel like he's also a very good fit for this team. I didn't know quite as much about him as I knew about Martinez. Um, but just seeing him, like when he hit that double, I think, um, was that was Wednesday. He had a double uh for the Cubs. It was awesome. Like I I, I posted this on my Twitter and I, I'm pretty sure you saw this, but he, he was on second base and they did a real close up of him and he was looking into the Cubs dugout and he was doing I don't know if he was trying to figure out what his like celebratory hand gesture was for hitting a double or if he was like I, if he already knew one. I don't know. But it was just really cool. Like you could tell he just very quickly like felt comfortable and, you know, had some sort of camaraderie happening there. So that was, that was really good to see. And, you you know, especially with his first appearance with the Chicago Cubs, you love to see stuff like that. So um, yeah, for a different lineup, it was still, you know, a great output. I mean, there were still 10 hits, you know, they scored eight runs. It was still very good to see. So that's also nice when you have your kind of second string guys producing at that level. Totally. Um, I I looked this up while you were chatting just because I wanted to see if it was still the case. You know, Wilson Contreras has struggled at the plate a little bit this season, but he still has, he's at the 95th percentile in the league in terms of his hard hit percentage. He's also in the uh, 75th percentile in the league in terms of his exit velocity. So an 89th percent in terms of his barrel percentage. So he's getting the barrel of the bat on the ball. It's just not doing what you expect it to do 
when that happens. I am fully convinced that Wilson has quite the streak in him once everything settles down because that's it's just not statistically sustainable that you're going to hit the ball that hard and do that much damage on it and not have some of those drop for hits. It feels like he's been a victim of some bad luck at times in this season. Um, the same cannot be true for Javi Baez. We covered this last episode. So if you want to listen to that in more detail, you can go back and listen to it. But, you know, he's really trying to swing his way out of a slump here. It looks like he might be turning the corner there, but he is still striking out a lot and he just doesn't look great on some of the off-speed pitches he's missing on. I mean, it, it almost just looks like he is mystified by some of those sliders. Yeah, it's hard to watch because you know that, and I feel like this is deja vu. Like, I know I just said this before this last series, but he did he did show signs of kind of coming around. Um, he completely disrespected a ball. I think it was in game two. Uh, yes, it was a three-run home run. It was, <laughs> it was total. I feel bad for the ball's family. It was, I think, 443 feet. And, you know... I'm happy that he was able to make contact and, and hit that ball. I mean, it's the Pirates. You kind of hope that people start to come out of slumps against the Pirates. They do have some good pitching, but this was a situation where, yes, break out of your streak now. Now's the time. I love Javi Baez. I love his attitude. I love that he is pushing through this. But, like, I'm really kind of paying attention to his body language right now because I feel like at any time when he has a bat at bat, it's just kind of like, his his game, I feel like, is a little ruined for those at-bats. I'm hoping that he's watching the guys around him starting to break out a little bit, starting to make contact and just, you know, hitting singles, getting on base and producing that way. And that kind of, you know, pushes him to, to go in that direction as well. I know it feels good to hit home runs. I mean, I don't know it personally because I don't <laughs> think I've ever hit a home run unless it was like inside the park, something like that. But you know it feels good because as a fan – and to see Javi Baez or even like a Chris Bryant hit one, who those two guys are struggling a little bit yet this season, it's like a huge weight. You know, it's like a, oh, good. Glad that happened, that sort of thing. You feel like they they kind of can, can steer in the right direction. However, with Javi, I feel like this season it's been a game-to-game thing. You know, like I don't really feel like there's been a whole lot of carryover. So I'm hoping he can start to put, you know, string some some consistent games together where he's making contact, getting on base, doing his thing on the bases. Because let's be honest, there is nothing more fun to watch than when Javi Baez is on the base and making things happen. So I'm looking forward to something like that this weekend with the St. Louis Cardinals. Because it's always fun to to make them look silly. Yeah, totally agree. We're about to talk about the Cardinals, people. <laughs> I promise we are getting there. But before we do, I want to talk about um, some other news that came out from the league this week, which is the announcement of the Roberto Clemente Award nominees. And if you don't know about this award, I, I just want to stress, I cannot stress enough that this is a highly coveted award in baseball. It honors the charitable work that athletes do, the work that they do off the field for their communities in the spirit of the great pirate Roberto Clemente, who we lost way too soon when he was literally delivering hurricane um, relief to um, over the Christmas break. And, and he died in a, he died in a plane crash. And I, uh, I, I just want to, well, when Anthony Rizzo won this award a couple of years ago, he said that it meant more than anything to him. And I and I think that we should take him at his word. Most of the people who have received this award have said similar 
things. The last two years, the Cubs nominee has been John Lester, who does a ton of work with cancer charities um, in the area. This year, the Cubs mixed it up a little bit. It's not uncommon for teams to nominate like the same guy over and over again, but this year they, they changed it up a little bit and nominated Jason Hayward for his work in and around Chicago, his work on the South Side and all of the work that he did during the pandemic. We'll get into some of those specifics in a second. But Andy, I know you're a huge Jason Hayward fan, and I'm I'm just curious what you thought when he was announced as the Cubs Clemente Award nominee. Well, I think, you know, when Players Alliance um, tweeted yesterday that um, because also Tim Anderson from the White Sox was uh, the White Sox nominee, and he also is in the Players Alliance, I think it says a great deal about what is going on in our country and our society right now for these guys to be at the forefront of what they're doing. Um, you know, and not to say that these guys don't haven't done as much in past seasons, but I think the work they're doing is so, so important um, for their communities, for baseball, for their teams. I mean, it just it speaks volumes to what to what they do and what they mean to the people around them. And, you know, Jason Hayward, this is the year of the Hayward, as far as I'm concerned, because he is just he's having an amazing season on the field. He's producing at a level that he hasn't in a very long time offensively. Defensively, he hasn't missed a step. I mean, he looks exactly the same. He's been pulled into center field a few times, so he's been asked to carry a little bit of extra weight there. I mean, he's just all around. If you don't know much about him, if you don't, um, if you haven't cared to read any of the stuff that people wrote about him over the past couple seasons, he's an amazing man and he is a great teammate. And, you know, I'm sorry, but single-handedly, the, 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 however many minutes his speech took in the locker room in 2016 earned his contract. And if you want to fight me on that, let's do it because I, I have a very large army that agrees with me. You know, he's just somebody that deserves all the recognition that he can get for being who he is on the field and off. And I don't think that there is a better nominee for this award this season than Jason Hayward. Yeah. um, And and if you weren't familiar, he's been, you know, active in supporting all of the other Cubs foundations and efforts. So he's been a great teammate in that sense, too. But really in this very strange pandemic world that we are all living in. Um, I mean, he's just stepped up tremendously. He's He's been working to make sure that low-income communities in Chicago who were disproportionately affected by the pandemic um, got support. He's contributed over $300,000 to those nonprofit organizations. I don't know if you saw the video of him participating in a restorative justice circle earlier this year uh, when the protests were happening and some of them got violent in Chicago and it was really difficult for people in the city to sort of see a path forward. Jason Hayward took time and went out, met with the kids in the community, brought them together to have conversations about the issues in their community, took Jason Kipnis and another cub who I am blanking on with him. I can like picture them in my head and I apologize for not um I want to say, wasn't there a couple Chicago Bears? Yeah, there were other athletes from different teams too. It it was not just a Cubs thing, but Jason Hayward was the lead voice there. And I, you know, we we covered a couple weeks ago on this podcast what it meant to us when Jason Hayward sat out 
during the athlete strike um, by himself and how disappointing that was. And so this, this obviously doesn't make up for that, but it was so wonderful to see the Cubs recognize Hayward's work and leadership and his place on this team at this moment in time. And I, I, I don't, I, I, again, do not want to imply or say, because I'm not, that it uh, makes up for anything else that has happened that has been disappointing with the Cubs this season. They clearly have a lot of work to do, but this was a nice step in the right direction of recognizing his efforts on and off the field. And I, I can't think of anyone better to represent the Chicago Cubs in 2020 than Jason Hayward. Yeah, exactly. Couldn't have said that better myself. That was exactly what I was going to end with, that he's obviously the best one for, for this nomination. So, yay. I hope he I hope he wins. I mean, this would be phenomenal for him. Yeah, I mean, whether he wins or not, if you've not taken a minute to read, the, read through the MLB um, nominees for the Roberto Clemente Award, I, I suggest you do. I you know, every year I look forward to reading about the work that these athletes are doing in their communities, and, and they're doing tremendous, tremendous things. Um, this year in particular, I, I don't know about you, I just sort of needed some good news. <laughs> and reading about the work that Tim Anderson is doing in Chicago, reading about the work that Jason Hayward is doing in Chicago, reading about the work that athletes on the other 28 teams are doing in their communities and how they're making sure that they do more than just play a game, that they have an impact for kids, for schools, for education, for people who are sick. It's one of those things that always brings me a little bit of joy and hope. And so if you need a moment of hope, uh, we will definitely be sharing the MLB article that details the work of each nominee and take some time, give yourself a few minutes this weekend and read through that when you're not watching copious amounts of Cubs Cardinals baseball. (laughs) I was going to say it definitely restores your faith in humanity to read this because I know a lot of people have their opinions on professional athletes, but that that definitely, I I skimmed through it quite a bit. You know, that there's a very long write up on Justin Turner. Obviously he's doing great things in the Los Angeles community. Sean Doolittle is in there. I mean, some of these people, the things that they do is just phenomenal to me and, and the time that they devote to, to things outside of baseball and the time they devote to the, their communities is is definitely something that needs to be celebrated. So I absolutely recommend it if you need to restore any kind of faith in humanity. It did it did it for me. I also, I think, shed quite a few tears because I'm just an overall emotional person anyways. But it, it's 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 really cool to see. And it's really nice to know that these guys are not just good baseball players, but they're good humans. Too. Oh, girl, all I do is like tear up about things these days. It's like, <laughs> I, know. Like, I know, I know, I just like my emotions are I just know. like right on edge. And so I'm like, I feel like I tear up once or twice a day over something. Sometimes it's a big thing. Sometimes it's a small thing, but I'm like, oh, I, I'm such a sap. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Me too. <laughs> yep. It's, it's, you know what though? It's, I think it's good. It's a good thing. And, and, you know, I, I always tell my, my kids to, you know, emotion is one of those outlets that you can, that you can have in, in a safe space or in, in a space that is okay. And you need to do it because otherwise, you know, what is this world without people? You know, I'm a very emotional person, obviously I'm, you know, high energy. So what is this world without people that have feelings and, and, you know, 
I just, I just don't know. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't even know how to not cry about things like that. <laughs> like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what kind of person I would be. I definitely wouldn't be myself. If I ever stop doing that, you should worry about yeah, me. Same. <laughs> um, speaking of feelings and the like, we have lots of feelings about the Cardinals coming to Wrigley Field for five games in four <laughs> days, but we are going to talk about all of those feelings on the flip side we need to take a quick break for our sponsors. We've got everything you need to know about the greatest rivalry in sports coming up after a quick break. Okay, we're back. I mean, it's, I'm having a little bit of deja vu because I don't know if you all remember in 2019, but the Cubs were sitting like a game with a game lead, a game and a half lead, maybe like a game and a half behind. I don't remember exactly, but they were right in the mix of everything in September when the Cardinals came to Wrigley Field and just demolished our hopes and dreams in 2019. Uh, I went to three of those four games. The only game I didn't go to was the WGN final broadcast because I wanted to watch that on my couch. Like I've watched thousands of Cubs games on WGN. And every single one of those games was not only like we lost and it was disappointing, but lost in a way that, it, none of them were blowouts. They were all like one run things that the Cardinals eked out and it just demolished the Cubs season. Uh, and that was it. That was sort of like the, the whimper that we went out on in 2019. Currently the Cubs are sitting with a three and a half game lead in the division. Again, that is a little bit weird because of the way the number of games played has worked out. So the Cubs are 22 and 15. The Cardinals are in second at 14 and 14. So if you're if you're doing the math on that, the Cubs have played 37 games, the Cardinals have played 28. Um so it's a, it's a little a little weird to say that that's a three and a half game gap, but but it is and all of their next games are against each other. So that ratio pro- will not change very much over the next few games. Uh, a lot is going to be determined <laughs> during this series. Andy, what are you thinking? Oh my, oh my. Cubs Cardinals in September, huh? It's just, (laughs) yeah, I kind of have PTSD over that. I'm not going to lie. But I think it's a much different look this year. I got a a text message from a good friend who happens to be a pretty um, popular sports personality here in, in St. Louis. And I got a text message from him last night that said, what a, what, what a wonderful weekend of baseball this would have been at Wrigley. And, you know, I was like, oh man, that's right. You know, this was a weekend that I was definitely planning on being at Wrigley, but um, you know, it, it's just one of those things, man. It's hard to watch on TV. Like I'm used to being at some of these games in person. So it's hard to watch all of these on TV, but um, you know, I, I love this rivalry. It's a great rivalry. It's better when the Cubs are the better team. I, well, for us anyways, I feel like this year the Cubs are the better team. Now, if they can play the Cardinals that way, that's a different story. And for five games in four days, what were yeah. you saying? Five games in four days, is, <laughs> uh, it, that's a lot. Um, and one, on Saturday, that is definitely um, one of our seven-inning doubleheader Friends, So we will get into the Saturday game in a second. I, I'm a little nervous. So I, I don't know if you saw a um, friend of the show and previous guest Tara Wellman had a had a tweet out. I don't know, maybe like a week ago, 
um, before Wayno's complete game where she had said that Wayno apparently like just sent a text message to the whole Cardinals team that was like, I know you're tired. I am too, but let's go or something. I don't know. It was, it was motivational for Cardinals people. Apparently I didn't feel like it was like the most, it was not a Jason Hayward rain delay speech is what I'm trying to say, but it was, it, it was, it was perceived <laughs> as motivational in St. Louis and the Cardinals have been pretty good since then. So I'm a little bit like, I, I don't want to see the Cardinals come in and do their like devil bird magic thing. I want this Cubs team to be able to, I mean, hopefully when the series three out of five puts them in pretty good position going forward, but if they could do even more than that, they could really just knock the Cardinals out of this thing this weekend and return the favor from 2019. I mean, it would definitely be a very nice gesture. I wouldn't expect any thank you cards, but you know, I think it's it's one of those things where you have to as a Chicago as the Chicago Cubs you have to find something to get you amped up for this series. And if the fact that it's the St. Louis Cardinals coming in in September, five games, like you said deja vu, if that doesn't amp you up, if that doesn't get you going, like I don't know how to help you. Like we have playoffs in just a couple of weeks. You know, the season is almost over. You have to sustain that lead if you want to think about, you know, what what happens going into the the, you know, postseason. I I mean, yeah, the Cardinals the Cardinals played the Reds good. You know, they they had a good series against the Reds. They scored a lot of runs in one game against the Reds that was like, wow, that, you know, but they didn't see Trevor Bauer. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, they're a good team. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say they're not a good team. I still feel like the Cubs are a better team. I feel like the matchups are are a little bit more, you know, slided towards the Cubs. I, I will say, and this is like very minor because obviously he's a DH, it will be interesting to see Jose Martinez against his former team. Um, that will be weird, uh, especially in a Cubs uniform. Overall, I think the pitching matchups, it's going to, I mean, they're going to be tough. It's going to be a tough series, but you know, if they want to go out and play West coast teams that have been playing very good baseball, they want to play East coast teams, you know, in the playoffs, they have to start by playing good, you know, good baseball against these, these teams that they've been playing a lot of this season thus far and against good pitchers. I mean, Jack Flaherty is one. Adam Wainwright is somebody who is is very comparable to like a John Lester to me. You know, he's he's older, but he is still goes out there and, and puts out good performances. So you you need to come out with your, you know, your best best foot forward. I'm excited. I I actually am looking forward to but not looking forward to tonight because I feel like it's going to be a pitcher's duel, which, you know, Jack Flaherty and you Darvish, obviously pitcher's duel. Um, but I hope that it's not, I hope the Cubs can hit Jack Flaherty, you know, I mean, because when you Darvish is on, he's very much not hittable. And, and if, you know, the Cubs have to score a run to win. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but I, I, yeah, this series is, is definitely one that they need to, uh, go ahead and, and, and win. If they can get the three out of five, that would be fantastic. I mean, that's obviously winning the series. You'd like to get more than that, but I'll take the three. Yeah, uh, so Friday night's matchup, uh, as Andy already stated, is Jack Flaherty versus you, Darvish. Um, these numbers just kind of make me laugh a little bit because it, it shows you how different the seasons that the Cubs and Cardinals have had so far. Um, so Jack Flaherty uh, is 2-0 with a 1.93 ERA and 17 strikeouts. He really, I mean, he hasn't been beaten, 
this season, but he also just hasn't pitched that often because they were really careful with him after that two-week layoff. You Darvish, on the other hand, is 6-1 and one with a 1.47 ERA and 52 strikeouts. He is also the um, National League Pitcher of the Month for August, uh, which he just had a phenomenal August. His ERA was 1.09 in August. Saturday is going to be back-to-back, seven-inning doubleheaders. Uh, Adam Wainwright will start the first of those doubleheaders for the Cardinals. Their second pitcher is TBD. Both of the Cubs pitchers here are TBD with Jose Quintana and Tyler Chatwood both on the IL. I have to imagine one of those starts is going to Adbert Alzale. And Andy, I'm just going to pause here because I, I do not understand why Alzale isn't at least in the bullpen as the long guy. Like, what is what are the Cubs doing with him? I don't get it. Well, I want to tell you, um, when we when you go back to the probables, let me know, because I do have the Cardinals um, rotation for the whole series. Um, I mean, they've actually named the rotation, so I can I can tell you who those are instead of TBDs. But um, Alzale, yeah, I don't understand that. I, I, I'm like completely clueless. And there's a lot of people online that have said, you know, what is it going to take for this man to get an opportunity? Like, he needs to stay put. He needs to stick. He's had some very strong outings. And I mean, development wise, he, you know, it, he goes back to South Bend and he's doing like what he's not doing any live pitching. He's doing a lot of simulation, maybe pitching against, um, you know, some hitter, some Cubs hitters that are there. But why not give him some innings? I mean, he's been nails. He's been so good. And and, you know, like you said, the I love him in the long relief, even give him some starts, you know, just as a um come in for the first couple innings if if you have to do it that way. I don't know. I honestly don't know what he what he has to do, what he needs to do. I feel like he's done everything that he should to prove himself and and more so than some of the other guys in a similar position. So, I don't know. I hope that they they give him opportunities they continue to to give him some innings here and there because I think, you know, confidence-wise, it, it can only go up. I mean, he's had some great outings. Yeah, so Alzale has gotten to pitch twice. Um, one of those was a five-inning start against the St. Louis Cardinals, and the he only allowed one run. It was not earned. He struck out six. He walked one guy. Uh, the other was a relief outing where he pitched one inning, and frankly, I think that if he would have been left in that game longer, the Cubs would have won it. That was one that Kimbrell wound up blowing in the late innings. Um, I, I understand that he's not – going to get a spot in the rotation above Mills. I understand that he's riskier than Mills. I understand that he doesn't throw strikes as often as we would like. The results speak for themselves at this moment in time, and two of your starters are on the IL. So it just sort of seems like that spot is Alzale's, and I don't understand why they didn't name him as the starter before. Like, I I understand preserving a roster spot for Jason Adam, Justin Adam, Jason Adam, Jason Adam. Um, the fact that I can't remember his first name is 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 about how excited I was about Mr. Adam. And I think he showed all of us why last night. I, I just, I mean, look, I get that you want to like have some flexibility with that bullpen spot, but I just really feel like Alzale has done what he needs to do to be a actual member of the 28 person roster and whether he's starting or not, which I think he should absolutely be starting with Q and Chatwood both on the IL, but even when they're back, he's a better long option out of the pen than a lot of these other guys. Okay. Anyway, we can return to probable pitchers. So Andy, you said you have the Cardinals pitchers all the way through. So do you want to start um, 
Saturday. I did. Yes. I actually, yes, I actually got this off of, um, Derek Gould tweeted this last night. So, uh, Hudson, Dakota Hudson will be Saturday's game two. Kim will be Sunday and then Oviedo will be Monday. So Oviedo, I believe is, um, maybe just in his first season. Kim is somebody that the Cubs have done really good against. Uh, but he typically comes in as a long reliever. Uh, so yeah, I mean, those look to be favorable matchups for the Cubs. I mean, as far as, you know, just the CNI test, but again, you know, you just never know baseball is going to baseball, but you know, the Cubs need to baseball more. (laughs) (laughs) These Saturday games are going to be an adventure. I mean, I have to, like I said already, Alzale probably gets the start in one of them. Maybe Colin Ray and the other one, I honestly don't know. Kyle Ryan, like, I honestly don't know. That that looks very bull- – both of those look kind of bullpen gamey to me. If you can get five innings out of Alzale again, that is going to be a huge, huge boon um, to saving the pen on Saturday. John Lester will go for the Cubs uh, on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball on Sunday, and then Kyle Hendricks will pitch in the series finale Monday afternoon. So – the Cubs have everything set except for those Saturday doubleheader games, and we'll see how those end up lining up. In terms of the bats, we talked a little bit about who's been hot on the Cubs in the first half of the show. But just as a reminder, the Cubs offense is really being um, really being nailed down right now by Ian Happ, Jason Hayward, and Kyle Schwarber. Those are your top three offensive players by WRC+. Uh you know, David Bodie's had a nice little stretch here while he was covering for Chris Bryant. Hopefully Chris Bryant comes in and 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 gives you a boost over David Bodie's production. But what, what really needs to happen here is that that Cubs core needs to start playing to their that well-known potential. Um, Wilson Contreras, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant coming in and getting hot down the stretch would help this team tremendously. On the Cardinal side of things, Andy, stop me if you've heard this before, but random guy X Brad Miller has continued to be like the hottest player in the land. Uh, and he is followed up by Paul Goldschmidt and Tommy Edmund. <laughs> I mean, who? <laughs> Miller time. Sorry. Um, thing for the Cardinals. All of these, like I have a handful of like Cardinals people who I decided were not like terrible on Twitter that follow me and I follow back. And every time he does something, my timeline lights up with Miller time. And I'm like, what in the, this is so Cardinals to have like some random dude you got from Tampa Bay or whatever, all of a sudden light the world on fire. (laughs) Yeah. And let's, let's, uh, it's pretty fresh in my mind, but let me remind you, he was an absolute cub killer the last time that we played the Cardinals. So let's. I mean, it's just ridiculous to me. Hopefully somebody like a U Darvish can sit him down as many times as he stands up. So I'm guessing so. I don't know. I mean, God, who knows? This Devilberg magic is just ridiculous. I don't like to mess with it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to stop talking about it. Um, Paul Goldschmidt, of course, is somebody that um, looks to be le- the leader on this team offensively and probably um, throughout the rest of the season. Now, keep in mind for playoffs, uh, the Cardinals are still in the spot to, to make the playoffs. Um, 
because they haven't really said anything about minimum games played or anything like that, you would think that the the Cardinals would make their way that there with double headers and everything else. But, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, if he gets hot and he is definitely somebody that can do that very quickly and he's done it against the Cubs. I mean, he's just a solid, consistent, good hitter. And you don't want to see him be a game changer in this series. So I definitely look um, for the Cardinals to try and put together a lineup that protects him. But at the same time, I just I think our pitching is good enough um, is on the front end, especially to to take care of him and, and make sure that he doesn't do as much damage as he probably could. Um, but those are the two that I'm worried about containing. I think, you know, and of course I say that, and like I said, this, the last time we played the Cardinals, I was like, oh, you want to watch Paul Goldschmidt, make sure he doesn't do anything to hurt us. But you know, they don't really have any other guys that could hurt us. And then here comes Brad Miller saying, hold my beer. I'm like, listen, guy, I'm going to need you to calm down because (laughs) you are not Paul Goldschmidt and you should not be doing the things you're doing. So hopefully the Cubs are well aware and it's very fresh in their mind what a Brad Miller can do to the Chicago Cubs. So, um, yeah, I mean, their lineup, like I said, they're a good team. You know, Tommy Edmond is a very solid hitter. He's somebody that is um, quick on the base pass. So you definitely, you know, don't want to see him get on base and, and start making things happen. Um, Colton Wong is another one. You know, I, I just I still think that the Chicago Cubs are a better team. Um, but I really, really like us coming out of the gate with you, Darvish. I love that, that, you know, he has the power to calm down a very, very hot lineup. And I don't want to say that these guys are very, very hot, but they definitely had a good series against the Reds. So I love that they're coming up against you right out of the gate. And, and you is somebody that, um, in case you haven't heard, he is the national league leader right now for the Cy Young. Um, so let's just, you know, keep in mind that he definitely has the ability to, you know, to, to calm this lineup down. And hopefully that, you know, is something that he kind of, you know, puts the water on the fire for the whole series. I should have to return to Brad Miller for one second. Cause I, I just went back, <laughs> Miller time. I, I went back and looked at his career stats and I just, I, I cannot with the Cardinals. So prior to 2020, and his he has played 21 games in, in 2020. In 21 games, he has accumulated 1.1 wins above replacement. And his WRC plus is 197, which means he is 97% better than the average hitter at driving in runs. Uh, prior to that, his best season wins above replacement was 2016, where he played 150, 152 games for the Rays. And accumulated 2.3 war over that time. So in 21 games, he has already done like half of his best season ever with the Cardinals. And I just, come on, just, I can't. <laughs> like, what? I, I'm at a loss, people. Like, I don't understand how it happens. I don't understand why it keeps happening. It is so frustrating. But yeah, just don't let Brad Miller beat you, please. Because I, I cannot. Like, just walk him. I don't even care. Break him. Do, like, intentionally walk him. Do the Harper. Like, I don't even, I don't want to mess with this. Like, I just don't. I'm going to listen it. I'm going to call it DMB. So I don't actually have to No, it's DBM DBM. I'm going to call it that. So I don't actually have to say the words because I feel like we're like 
rising it from the dead right now. Like we're making it like I'm starting to see the fumes in, in my room right now because I, of course I'm in St. Louis and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous to me. Like I even remember my husband saying after the last series, who's Brad Miller? Ah! <laughs> no, I know. Andy is like, who's Brad Miller? <laughs> Come on. It's, so, it's, listen, it's so great. But, it, you know, we laugh and we joke about it. And it's, th- I love, this is what makes the rivalry so great. Is stuff like that happens. You know, if it were the same guys, and, you know, I look, I look for somebody from the Cubs lineup to do the same thing. Cause I feel like it's been that kind of season. Like, there's been, like, the role players have really come through for the Chicago Cubs team and, and really produced at a level that was unexpected for me. And, I look for somebody to do that this series. I'm picturing a Victor Caratini having a big series, but of course I say that and watch him not even be in the lineup tonight. <laughs> like, like, of course, of course that's what, ha- what happens for me. I can be right about the, the strangest off the wall things, but then be wrong about like the most obvious things. So I'm hoping that, you know, for every Brad Miller in this Cubs line and this Cardinals lineup this weekend, there is a Brad Miller in the Cubs lineup as well, if you know what I mean. So we'll see. I, I'm excited for this series and and definitely looking for some guys to break out. Cameron Maben, be our Brad Miller. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 I love it. There is listen, there is no bigger bus I would get on than the Cameron Maben bus. Let's do it, dude. I am so ready. If, if he could steal some bases on y- Yadier Molina, maybe knock him down a peg or two, that would be Frankly, amazing. I, I, I would love, love that. to stop running. I They try to keep doing this hit and run thing, and they keep running into outs on the base paths, and it is driving me insane. I'm fairly certain it's only worked like one time out of the last 10 times they've tried it. And I'm Wilson Contreras is not that fast. Like, he is relatively fast for a catcher, but stop trying to hit and run with Wilson Contreras and Kyle Schwarber and Anthony Rizzo. These dudes are not the bell, and they keep getting thrown out, and you're running into outs right before you get hits, and it is, it is obnoxious. Just let them go station to station and mash the baseball. I was going to say, I when you said that, I was going to make the joke, hey, the one time it worked beautifully. One, yeah, one time in like, in like a month. Like... Andy and I are sitting at home like, stop running. Like, what are you even doing? Do you think these guys are not? Your fastest player is Albert O'Brien. He's not currently on the Oh, my gosh. I'm crying. Oh, so so fun. I mean, if it were Alex Rodriguez talking about our team. If the Cubs run into any more outs on the base paths or if Brad Miller channels his inner DBM in order to do damage against the Cubs at Wrigley this weekend. We will have all of that and more next week on the next episode of Cup of Cubby Blue. Until then, you can follow us and all of our ups and downs as the Cubs and Cardinals play five games in four days at Wrigley Field on Twitter. I am at BCB underscore Sarah. Andy is at BRYZ underscore Blue. We are both at Cup of Cubby Blue where we are blasting all of the latest Cubs news updates and banter. Until next time.